0: The Daily Tap is live for Friday. Happy four one four day. It is April 14th to all my Milwaukee inns. Uh, those who are still living there, those who lived there in the past, uh, we will talk about the city of Milwaukee here shortly. But before we do, we are gonna revisit the Josh Ader trade as the Brewers are playing the San Diego Padres. We're gonna talk about how it helped push the Milwaukee Brewers forward. We're gonna kind of dive into it a little bit more and you know, have that revisionist history now that we are about six months, a little, little more than that, maybe nine months actually, removed from that hater trade. And we had some time to see how it all shook out. I think it is a good time to reset the deck on it, talk about it more, uh, get my opinions. How I was strongly in the brewer's camp when they did trade Josh Hader, I've changed it a little bit on it, but not too much. Uh, so we'll talk about that in great detail. Uh, we will move on to talking about Milwaukee sports. What do they look like for the next three to five years? We'll get into that. Uh, talking Brewers, talking Bucks, talking Milwaukee colleges as well. Uh, no MATC or MSOE. Sorry, they missed the cut on this conversation. And then we'll do some rapid fire around the Packers. Uh, the Woody Johnson stuff that came out this week. We'll also talk about the Packers having tight ends in four visits. Uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, So we'll kind of talk about both things in conjunction, wrap it up, have a show. Uh, I'm trying to do a show tomorrow. I can't make you a promise. My Saturday is very busy around the homestead. Uh, So I'm going to try to get a podcast up to preview whoever the Bucks are playing. Uh, So stay tuned for that. If I'm able to swing it, it's there. But if it's not, know that it's not because I didn't want to. Uh, It's just... Lots happening, lots going on. So I, I'm not trying to uh, to rock the boat too much. Before we get going, uh, just a reminder: we are on every social media platform. You can find us. Uh, we are on a, on a Twitter tabby Instagram tabby sports, as well as TikTok. Same 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 one tabby the sports there too. Uh, make sure that you are rating, reviewing. If you're already subscribed, if you're not subscribed. Go hit that subscribe button, uh, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, whether it's uh, Podcast Addict, uh, Overcast, whatever, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, you better be subscribed. And if you already are, make sure you're leaving those ratings and reviews. Uh, if you don't want to do that for some reason, drop us in a group chat. I'm sure there are a lot of Josh Hader opinions uh, with your group chats. Talk about the, send this podcast over and be like, have you heard this guy yet? Uh, very interesting takes on the Josh Hader situation. Maybe not. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe, like, I can't believe Charlie is still going back to this Josh Hader. Well, what an asshole. But whatever it is, positive or negative, uh, send it along in those group chats and spread the good word of tapping the keg. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about Josh Hader and the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Milwaukee Brewers faced off against Josh Hader yesterday for the first time ever. Uh, Josh Hader came in in a 3 3 ball game after Matt Bush did Matt Bush things and gave up a two run uh, game time home run to Trent Grisham, also another former brewer. As Josh Hader faced his former team, he did pretty well. Uh, he struck out Joey Weimer. Uh, he was able to get Christian Yelich to fly out. He also was able to get, I forget who the first guy up, oh, that's bad, bad on me, but was able to also, I think it might have been uh, was No, because Weimer bat for Brasso. It doesn't matter. He got him to fly out as well. So Josh Hader went one, two, three. And then right after that, Devin Williams went, struck out the side against Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, and Nelson Cruz. Which was extremely impressive out of Devin Williams. Devin Williams was in his bag, and what's crazy about that is Devin Williams hasn't really pitched much. Uh, The Brewers haven't really needed Devin Williams all that much, and Devin Williams, you know, stepped up in that moment and delivered for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, The other guy was Owen Miller. That's right, Owen Miller flew out. I that's what forgot that because Owen Miller to me is about as least memorable as a Brewer as you're gonna get. Uh, but, yes, I thought for sure if the Brewers had lost this game to San Diego, the story would have been about Josh Hader and Trent Grisham. And it's like, those are the Brewers' mistakes on full display. But I stand by my thoughts last July that the Brewers never made a mistake with Josh Hader. That, well, they did—they made one, but they, they didn't make a mistake moving on from Josh Hader. The timing sucked. And we can talk about that, you know, in a little bit here. But the Brewers moving on from Josh Hader... Let them spark a new era of Brewer Baseball. And I think ever the returns have been good so far. The Brewers are 9-4. and four. The Brewers have influxed a bunch of young talent into this roster. The Brewers have remade their bullpen, building around Devin Williams. The Brewers knew that Devin Williams was ready to be a closer in the big leagues and be one of the best. Remember, Devin Williams was an all-star for being an eighth inning man, which is very rare. You do not see that often. And Devin Williams was that good in the eighth, eighth man in the setup rotation. What's to say Devin Williams wouldn't have got tired of having Josh Hader, you know, be the guy and say, I want out. Like, I want to trade. Now, you don't usually see that with baseball, but Devin Williams was ready to be a closer. The Brewers knew that. I think Josh Hader knew that. I know Williams knew that. And the returns were good. Williams, except for the first couple games where there was obvious nerves and obvious frustration about Hayter getting traded, Devin Williams was really solid. And the Brewers, in a way, let Devin Williams sort of get comfortable in the role down the stretch so it wasn't starting a brand new season and saying, here are the keys to the car. Devin Williams already got to test drive the car early. That might be the one positive about the Brewers' moving on from Josh Hader when they did is that Devin Williams was able to get established and the brewers did try to get guys to replace Devin Williams in that eighth man or eighth inning I don't know why I say eighth man eighth inning spot but it has not worked out so far. And that's another story for another time, right? Matt Bush has been terrible. I don't know why the Brewers keep going back to Matt Bush. I don't know if it's the justification of the trade, Uh, but Matt Bush, I I don't see as a high leverage guy for the Milwaukee Brewers. Fine to be in in your bullpen, but he's a guy that should come in when the Brewers are down six to two or when they're up six to two. Like it should not be eighth inning, game on the line type shit. They need to find that eighth inning guy. I think it's Peter Strzelecki. I said that, you know, in spring training, I still kind of stand by that Strzelecki to me is the best guy for those high leverage moments. He did pretty well in the seventh inning that I would say were pseudo high leverage. I don't know how they qualify that um, in terms of advanced metrics because you can look at like high leverage stats, low leverage stats for pitchers. So I don't know where that was. But regardless, I think Strzelecki is that guy. But back to Devin Williams, Josh Hader, the whole thing. So Devin Williams, yeah, got to chest drive that car. And and it, it really, I think, has kind of led to this start of this year that he's looked dominant. Like, he's had no problems so far this year. He's kind of been on easy street, which is really, really solid. And that moment with Soto, Bogarts, and Cruz, I would say is one of the top Brewer moments of April so far Because it looked like it was Trending in the wrong direction Like It looked like this game was going to be one The Brewers lose, it would be their third loss In four days, uh, it would be A 1-3 start to a road trip And Devin Williams came in Struck out Juan Soto, Juan Soto he doesn't Strike out, remember, and he struck out Twice against the Brewers And then they strike out Xander Bogarts Who's hotter than the fucking sun And then strike out Nelson Cruz That set the tone right there that set the tone for the extra innings. Brewers then get a, ne- a run in the extra innings, and Joel Payamas or Joel Payamas gets the save in the in the tenth inning. Which that decision to go with Payamas was quite something. I'm not really a big Payamas guy. I guess Javier is down. Maybe they would have went with Javier, who's been pitching really well for the Brewers, uh, besides the one Cubs appearance. So, but still payama Scott got done. Brewers win. It's 2-2. And we can talk about Josh Hader in a more happy light. But I, I just think the Brewers were stuck. I think the Brewers were stagnant. And the Brewers needed to shake things up a little bit. And trading Josh Hader was sort of that first step in the new era of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Which features Bryce Trang. Which features Garrett Mitchell. Which features Devin Williams. I'd consider Devin Williams part of that new era. Even though he's been around for a long time. I still think Devin Williams is part of that new era. I would say Freddie Peralta is another guy who's similar thing. He's been around for a while, but he's part of the new era of Brewers baseball. Now, does that mean that the Brewers shouldn't re-sign Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff because they're part of maybe the older establishment? And there's been a lot of conversation about the Brewers' windows closing. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think the Brewers are going to have to choose, right? They're going to have to choose between Burns and Woodruff, and I think Woodruff's consistent injuries. I know Mitch and I talked about it yesterday. You can listen to it on Tapping the Keg. But you do have to. That does give you a, a slight bit of pause to give Woodruff money. Now, I think the contract might be cheaper. I think you can use, and I know this sounds kind of crass and kind of you know capitalistic, but you could use Woodruff's injuries as sort of leverage to say, hey, look. We don't think you're worth X amount of dollars because you kind of keep getting hurt. And and maybe that's part of it. And I, I do think Brandon Woodruff likes being here. I think he, he likes being a leader of this team. I consider him one. So I do think it's more likely that Brandon Woodruff's back than it is Corbin Burns. But I do think you have to make sure you're not giving him six years at, at age 30. Even though these pitchers are showing they can pitch for a very long time. You know, Serger's still doing his thing. Verlander, yes, I know got hurt, but Verlander is in his 40s, or near his 40s, and and still looking awesome. Um, So I think that that's all stuff to consider. But yeah, the Brewers were never going to re-sign Josh Hader. I think it's foolish to think they were, and you don't pay closers as a small market team. That's just a death sentence for small markets. You want to screw yourself, you pay a closer. Josh Hader still isn't signed by a San Diego Padres either. Now there were rumors they were working on extensions, things like that, but there, there's a reason for that, right? There, there has to be a little bit of trepidation from the Padres who have spent a lot of money, who don't really care about spending money, but at least think about it and say, do we really want to pay a closer or can we, you know, can we find somebody else? Can we make another deal with another team, a, a hater like trade, do we have the prospects to sort of bring in a guy. And probably, if they were to trade for somebody, let's just use Derek Bednar. I know the Pirates are playing well, uh, but let's just use Derek Bednar as the example. Um, that's an easy one that's off top. So if they were to trade for Derek Bednar, and they might have to give up you know, one or two prospects, maybe they give up Camposano, uh, someone else, and they're able to bring in Bednar and basically reset the deck and let someone else pay Josh Hader, maybe they do that. I don't know. Uh, but... I do, I do look at it and say closers are, they get overhyped and overvalued by, by baseball fans because they, they pitch in the the highest of high leverage. And so watching the, watching a closer dominate is a lot of fun. And we've been blessed, you know, as Brewers fans to watch Josh Hader do his thing, except the month where he loses his mind. And that happens seemingly every year and Devin Williams. And they both They both have their own unique traits about them and they're both awesome to watch. And so I think you know having the Devin Williams part of this made the Josh Hader trade to me an easier pill to swallow. Now I won't go all sunshines and rainbows on the Josh Hader deal because I do think looking back on it and I was adamant that it wouldn't affect team chemistry. I was adamant that it would not screw with what the Brewers were trying to do Um, it it, that was not the case. And it was pretty clear if you, you know, look back, Milwaukee started off really hot outside the all-star break. They were I think they had won something like eight of their first ten games, ten of their first twelve games. They were they were playing very, very good baseball before Josh Hader got traded. And I think that was them trying to tell David Stearns, like, Hey, look, do not do anything, do not move on from anybody. We are a good baseball team. We figured it out. We promised. David Sterns was like, I don't believe you. I'm going to trade Josh Hader. And then they were like, well, fuck you. We're, you know, we're out. And basically, there were a couple moments where the Brewers, you know, saw sort of, I don't even want to say peaks, but they, it looked like they were kind of figuring it out. But every time it seemed like the Brewers were figuring it out in April or even September, they fell right back down the hill. It was like there was never an ability to build any sort of consistency with that baseball team. So I look at it and say it it should have been done in winter, even if that meant Devin Williams was figuring out how to be a closer in April. And I understand that there would have been some stress and, and maybe some consequence. Maybe he doesn't strike out Soto, Bogarts, and Cruz because he hadn't been in that situation before where he's facing a top-tier lineup in the ninth inning needing to, you know, keep the game tied or win the game or, you know, and close the game for, for the team, if you will. But, I still think it would have been better to trade Josh Hader, you know, after the season and just completely reset everything. And I think, I know the value wouldn't have been the same. I know that William Contreras wouldn't be here. But at the same time, I still think that would have, you know, done a better job in terms of uniting everybody. I think the players would have understood it. I think the fans would have understood it. I still think there would have been cranky fans telling Mark Ananasio to sell the team. But I I, I still believe that, you would have had a lot more acceptance of the Josh Hader trade in the offseason than you would have in the middle of the year as you're fighting for a playoff spot. It was the wrong message to send. I, I can admit that now, even though the return has led to you know pretty good things for the Brewers. right? Robert Gasser is already in AAA. He's doing all right there. Um, and it's not unreasonable to think Robert Gasser couldn't be up at some point this season. Um, I was pretty critical of the Brewers starting pitching depth yesterday with Mitch. And, you know, Gasser is a guy who could really solve a lot of problems you know down the stretch and maybe you know Gasser is is in the role that we saw Woodruff do as a young pitcher we saw Corbin Burns do as a young pitcher there's a potential that Robert Gasser is sort of that next guy to do that where he's more of a long wrong relief guy spot start guy and you'll know, fill and helps the Brewers in terms of their depth overall not just start at starting pitching uh but the, the other part of it is Asturio Ruiz was another big piece, and actually he's doing okay with the Oakland A's. He's playing every day, but the Brewers were put Ruiz in a package that gave them William Contreras from the Atlanta Braves as the Braves did not need Contreras anymore because they acquired Sean Murphy from Oakland. And the Brewers got a a great deal out of it. Contreras, still a little rough around the edges from a defense perspective in terms of, you know, throwing down to second and things like that. And his framing's gotten so good. Uh, Charlie Moore and the Brewers coaching staff does such a good job with how they frame pitches. You saw it a lot last night. I think he had a lot to do with Colin Ray's success. It It was really Contreras' just framing the shit out of the ball. But the guy's on a 10-game hitting streak. He hasn't really had a big moment yet. Like, I hate to be a Bill Schroeder, but there hasn't been that big Contreras moment. He's still hitting the baseball. So you have to give him credit for that. He's batting 351 right now. Uh, but, yeah, you haven't seen necessarily the RBIs or the home runs. And maybe maybe those will come. I'm I'm fine with base hits. I'm fine with that. I mean, his OPS is .820 right now. But, yeah, there there have been no home runs Let's see here. So far this year, he's had three RBIs. So that's it. 13 hits, but only three RBIs. Only two of them are extra base hits and two doubles. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's coming for William Contreras. I'm not ready to be like, oh yeah, this guy's not going to this guy's not going to hit home runs. Like at some point, he's going to find the homer stroke. He's going to, he's going to get that launch angle going. But yes, if there is no hater trade in the middle of the season, there's no William Contreras. And Contreras was a guy that... Definitely the Brewers, you know the Brewers you need, and it's he's been a vital part of their their lineup. And all in all, the Hader trade I think will be looked back differently. I think if, especially if the Brewers succeed with these young guys and they they're able to push forward in the next few years. Um, and if San Diego doesn't win a title, if San Diego wins the title with Josh Hader. Yeah, there will be there. This will get brought up again. This will get re re if you will. But I, I look back and I, I still I still think the idea was great. I just don't think the execution, the you know the way they handled it in terms of the media was the best. And I think they could have done a lot better with that. I think they could have done a lot better with their players. And that part, I I still I look back and I was wrong. On, and I'll, I'll admit that till the cows come home, right? I'm not. I I think if you've listened to this podcast and all, you know that I'll admit when I'm wrong, I fuck up something. I, I'll tell you that. I'll be straight up and, and that that was that was a bad move by the Brewers in terms of the timing. But the return led to great things. And so I, I do have to keep that in mind because if Gassers ended up in your rotation next year and Contreras is an all-star in a couple of years, you look back at that and you say, All right, that's part of the return. Like the Contreras part I think is the one that you have to you have to remember with this the Satyr deal is if it's not for the Hader deal, you don't have, you don't have a, a middle-of-the-order guy right now. So just keep that in mind, Brewers fans. But yes, it was good to see Josh Hader. I do hope the Brewers get a hit or even a home run off him uh, before this weekend is over. Let's like ra- rapid fire Golden Kegs from the, the Arizona game. We're already a game ahead. I don't want to show you that I forgot Golden Kegs. Sometimes it's just how the, the podcast is scheduled, right? I'm not going to do Golden Kegs with Mitch. Uh, It's kind of my segment, not a Mitch segment. So let's just run through them very quick uh, in their series loss against Arizona. Corbin Burns, easy five kegger. Uh, I thought what Corbin Burns did on Tuesday night was a masterclass. Uh, Craig Council said as much. A really nice bounce back for him. I don't know if it was just having Carantini behind the mound. We'll wait and see. I think he'll be pitching in Seattle. So we'll see if Corbin Burns goes with Carantini again as sort of the personal catcher, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a knock on William Contreras. Um, So sometimes pitchers are weird and they just need need their guys. Or if it was just Corbin Burns finally just decided to relax, take a couple deep breaths, not worry about the contract, not worry about how he's being perceived, and just play ball. So good, good stuff from Corbin Burns. Uh, Definite five kick. Mike Brousseau, four Ks. He kept it up on Thursday night with a home run in San Diego too. But Mike Brousseau is red hot. Uh, he's playing really good baseball. He had three RBIs in the win against the Arizona Diamondbacks on Tuesday. He also contributed in the loss. Uh, I just I really like what I've been seeing. Out of Mike Rousseau recently, um, I don't know if it's a guy that you can say, all right, he's gonna play, he should play every day, or he should be an everyday guy. But yeah, it's the returns have been solid uh, for Mikey B, and I think he's gonna continue to see minutes. I know, or er, minutes, I continue to see time in the lineup. Uh, Jesse Winker should probably be back on, I would say Sunday. He has bronchitis. They say, oh, he's gonna do some field work. I would doubt he's in the lineup uh, for the game. On Friday, maybe in the in the lineup on Saturday, and if that's the case, I think really the guy that gets pushed out is probably Weimer. And hate to say that I like Joey Weimer, but I think this is exactly what Craig Council talked about in terms of part time players and why these guys, you know, were in AAA to start the year because he wants them playing. And I look at at Weimer right now, and he's struggling a little bit, and that's that builds a case for why you probably go why you probably go with. Brian Anderson right, Brasso at, at, at third base, and Brasso's been hitting righties, and that and that was something he wasn't doing as much last year, and so really good stuff from Mikey B. Uh, three kegs, Christian Yelich. Uh, Christian Yelich had a really good Wednesday. He drove in two runs in a clutch moment. Uh, Christian Yelich in a clutch moment has not necessarily been the same thing as Christian Yelich a couple years ago. Uh, he still has way too many strikeouts. His strikeouts have been Kind of off the chart. Uh, it's I don't know if it's uncharacteristic. I'd have to dive in to game logs to see if this has been a trend for Yelich. You know, post whether it's sign stealing as Mitch made the accusation yesterday or the juice ball. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. It's been a rough week for you. I would say rough week. I mean, three kegs. You know, means that there were some good and some bad. It was good in terms of driving in those runs and sort of sparking a rally for the Brewers, but the bad was obviously the strikeouts and some of the struggles against the against the Diamondbacks. Two gigs to Jansen Junk. Uh, Jansen Junk probably would have got one K if it's not for our umpire on Monday, but Jansen Junk's just not a big league pitcher. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jansen Junk was you know had these struggles with the Angels last year and they continue. Uh, you know some guys. Can really pitch in AAA, look good in AAA, and then they when they go to the big leagues, they shit their pants. We call it the quad A. We could also call it the Matt Gamble syndrome. We could call it the Castanero syndrome. Uh, but yeah, he he just is not necessarily a big league pitcher just yet. The Brewers still have work to do with him. It's not to say he couldn't get there. It's not to say that, as they, they've they done a great job in terms of pitcher development. Uh, but yeah, Jansen Junk, certainly not that guy. Uh, Colin Rennie, maybe that guy, uh, really good stuff from him yesterday. Scott Berry, uh, one keg. What an awful umpire! Uh, I hope that we do not get Scott Berry as a home plate umpire the rest of the year. He was completely terrible. Uh, I felt like affected the game way too much, um, and you just you just hate to see that. That just ruins just ruins your time, whether it's any sport. If the refs are that much involved in sort of the outcome, you just it sort of just changes the dynamic of everything. We will definitely have a lot more of an in-depth Golden Kegs on Monday for the Padre series um, as, they, as that wraps up and then we move on to Seattle. Let's talk about 414 Day. So it is the unofficial Milwaukee Celebration Day. Uh, 414 represents the area code. If for some reason people are listening and are like, what the hell is 414 Day? And they're not from the area, that's okay. Uh, and it should be a great day in the city. It's another warm day. Um, big big Morgan Wallen concert. I can imagine that thing is going to be a utter shit show. Um, I, with the tailgating, country concerts are all about just drinking. You know, Shannon talked about it on keg jams uh, the other day. Uh, so it, it will be a party uh, today for that stuff for four one four day. Uh, just the, it's a good day to be in the city. I will admit being out in the burbs now. I will have definite FOMO. Uh, about not being around and not just being able to walk over to Brady because I think Brady will be on fire tonight uh, and be a good night to hang out at the nomad patio watch watch the Brewers game and then walk home after the game is over that to me, that would be an ideal Friday night uh, for your boy but instead uh, he's he's in the burbs I'm, I am making a big steak I'm making a big steak I'm a little nervous about it but that's still that's a, that's how I am gonna celebrate uh, in the 262. Uh, but, anyways, as for Milwaukee sports, because we're, we're a sports podcast, we're a Wisconsin sports podcast, we obviously got to talk about the sports angle of 414 Day. So, for 414 Day, uh, it, 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 the future of Milwaukee sports, I would say, is fairly bright. I, I would not say that it is the brightest it could be, but I would say it's fairly bright. I think, obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks are number one. People are wondering, are we embarking on another Bucks championship run? It's possible. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if they're the prohibited betting favorite. I haven't looked at that. But I do, I would assume they are very close to it. So we could be getting the second title in, two, in three years for the city of Milwaukee if the Bucs were able to finish the job. To me, that is such a major accomplishment. If you think about where everything was, you know, no more than 15 years ago. 15 years ago, uh, you know, both the Bucs and the Brewers were just kind of middling, and the Brewers were on the rise. Uh, you had the Bra- that was the start of Braun and Fielder and Corey Hart and Ricky Weeks, and that was sort of the beginning of the Brewers' sort of story and where the Brewers are today. But at the same time, it was it was not sort. Of, we didn't know where where that was going. You know, with the with the Bucks right now. They could potentially bring home another championship. And if they don't, there, there's going to be opportunities year in, year out for the Bucks to win a title because they have Giannis Kumbo, And that is very exciting as a Milwaukee sports fan. Uh, to me, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not watching Bucks basketball on a nightly basis. To watch Giannis Kumbo and marvel in that he is our God is very special and something that should never really be taken for granted. And to me, that is one of the biggest things of this 414 day is recognizing Giannis Antetokounmpo's impact for the city. Look at the Brewers game last last Saturday. They were giving away a Brew Crew Giannis basketball jersey. There were lines, and it was for the first 30,000 fans. There were lines waiting to get into that stadium two hours before the game. It was a complete sellout. Uh, it was noted on the broadcast. I've not seen it this full for a game in quite some time. That is the impact that Giannis Antetokounmpo has for the city. There is no greater ambassador right now than Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so if you look at 414 Day and the future of Milwaukee sports, it all comes back to Giannis Antetokounmpo. And how many titles can he bring to the city of Milwaukee? Now, you've heard me say this before, and I'll, I'll bear it repeating. It's really fucking hard to win a title. It's really hard to win a championship. So I'm not going to act as like a spoiled brat if the Bucs can't bring it home, right? I, I will obviously be critical. You can't just you know, head in the sand and be like, well, you know, this, this, and this happened, and if it didn't, you know, the Bucs would have won. You know, we have to obviously be, we have to critique, especially even if it's Giannis. That's the reason the Bucs lose. But at the same time, we can use the foresight to at least acknowledge that, yeah, it's hard It's hard to win these. It's hard to get these done. But I think the hope for the future in Milwaukee is that the Bucs don't end up like the Green Bay Packers. That the Bucs do not have one title for all of Giannis' career. That, to me, would be worst-case scenario for the next five to six years for the city of Milwaukee. If Giannis only has one. Now, could it happen? Sure. Absolutely. It's definitely on the table. But that would be that would honestly be as depressing as it gets. Giannis leaving would be right right there. Too just understanding the impact that Ante Kumbo has here. I don't think he's leaving, uh, but you never know. Things change, right? A- and so, yes, we'll we'll see. I'm very excited for the start of Bucks playoffs uh, here on Sunday. Like I said at the open, we're going to try to do a playoff preview for the ga- the series itself. We did a larger one with both Mitch and Shannon You can go listen to those. Uh, that could basically fill up your work day That's like three hours of, of podcasts podcast. So make sure you're checking those out. Uh, but yes, I will, we'll see what happens. But yeah, the future is definitely bright for the Bucks. The future is also bright for the Brewers, right? The Brewers are starting off hot. We'll see where this goes. Uh, Ken Rosenthal you know, had a weird column last week where he said, oh, the brewer, everyone expected the Brewers to be a sell-off and the Brewers to sort of you know, rebuild, essentially. And Mark Ananasio has been very you know, adamant that the Brewers aren't gonna rebuild, that they're gonna keep trying to be a consistent winner. Uh, and if there is a sell-off there, it's probably not going to happen with the Brewers, you know, as they've won, you know, nine of their first 13 baseball games, and they look a lot better than people expected. Uh, Right now, the top of the division in the NL Central is the Brewers and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, The Pirates got another win yesterday against St. Louis Cardinals, who continue to struggle, and I would imagine that people are getting a little antsy, in St. Louis, uh, Which I believe the Cardinals now at five and eight to start the season, uh, which you, hate, you just hate to see, right? You hate hate that the Cardinals are struggling that much, but the future is very bright for the Milwaukee Brewers. You could make the case, and I, I want to do this topic in a larger sense, so I'm not gonna do, go too much into is this the next generation of Braun, Fielder, Weeks, you know, et cetera, because it, it certainly feels that way. It certainly feels like this is the new era of Brewers baseball. And with Weimer, with Mitchell, with Terang, uh, Sal Freelich, ready and waiting, you know, in the, in the minors, Jackson Torrio, you knock it on the door, right? Like those are going, those guys are going to be the next era of Brewer Baseball. And it's very exciting to think about that because there's a lot of potential there. And there's a lot of potential for the Brewers to be good. And it could be a situation similarly to what we saw, you know, in 2011, where you make key trades and you trade some of your farm system to get a Zach Greinke level player, a Cy Young level player, you know, to sort of anchor your your rotation. If you can't resign Brandon Woodruff and you can't resign Corbin Burns, um, and you're probably not going to sign both, and we'll, we'll know that we'll have to move on from one of those guys. Hopefully, we're not moving on from both. I think that would be. That would definitely dim the dim the lights a little bit. Same if you weren't able to bring back Willie Adamas, who clearly wants to be here. I think the challenge for Willie Adamas is he wants to be here, but his agent's telling him, look, man, you get a lot more money. Do you see what Carlos Correa made and he was hurt? Do you see what Lindor made a couple years ago? Do you see what Xander Bogarts made? Like, it's it, Trey Turner, it's really hard probably for Willie Adamas. And I think Willie Adamas is a step below some of those guys. But still, to look at it and say, all right, I, I want to stay here. I like it here, but I also, you also like money. You also have to cash out. I'm not going to blame that on anybody. But even if all three of those guys don't come back, I still think the Brewers have a bright future. And it's really hard to win a title as a small market. We've talked about it. We've went through the numbers. Uh, but I, I don't think it's out, of, it's out of the question that the Brewers can't find their way to a World Series. I think it's way too early to talk about it for this year. Um, I think that's a conversation where if the Brewers are still, you know, going at the clip they are in middle of June. Yeah, let's have that conversation. Let's, that topic is will be there. But we don't know that just yet. But still, it's a it's still a pretty good time to be a Brewers fan. And I, I, I would say to those who might have bounced out because of their frustration at Mark Ananasio, get back in. It's okay. Don't. Don't be stubborn about it. Like it this team is, this team's solid. And I know there's a lot of questions about funding this team and the tax stuff and the public money. And that could be a significant issue. And that could be something that becomes a bit of a problem as the years go on. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to freak out about that because that's there, there's way too much stuff that we don't know about and the deals that could happen and what's needed, what's not. And I think people are mad at Mark Ananasio for reasons that are I'm uncertain about. The Brewers have had as good of a success for the last five years as any small market in major leagues, right? And yet they want Mark Ananasio to sell the team because they don't think he spends enough money. It's wild to me. And I, I go back and there was a, the report by Jeff Passan this week that Salt Lake City wants to add, add a baseball team. That Salt Lake City wants a team. That if the Oakland A's become available for sale, that maybe the relocation is Salt Lake City. But also, Nashville's interested, Charlotte's interested, Portland's interested. So the Milwaukee Brewers come for sale. They're not the Milwaukee Brewers anymore. We lose the brewers. That's what happens. They go to that, they they go to Nashville. They go to they, that would probably be the most likely spot, right? Why? Because Nash, if the Brewers are in Nashville, that, what does that change, you know, in terms of the Cubs, in terms of the Cardinals, in terms of the Pirates? You know, you're able to kind of keep your division with the Brewers being in national. So that part is, is a friendly reminder to those of you are frustrated about the public money stuff. Because I do think that, that is, that's going to happen if Marc Ananasio sells this team. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that it's someone that wants to keep the Brewers here. But I, I highly doubt it. Highly really doubt it. We'll have to see. a uh, very interesting subplot to all this. And just last thing on that national part. What's to say that Jimmy Haslam's brother, who owns the Predators? Does it Jimmy's like, hey, Milwaukee's great. You know, we, we're making so much money with the bucks. What if Jimmy Haslam's brother decides to buy the brewers? What happens then? Do those who want Mark ananasio to sell feel the same way? Just something to think about. Something that you want. So yes, I, I do think how does the future get derailed for the for the Brewers? It's it's that it's the selling, it's the you know these guys who are you know the young guys who are exciting, they don't level up and they don't they don't end up being all stars. They're just kind of role players. That would be those would be how how this kind of derails. But I I, I hope it doesn't. As for college, quickly, uh, I think Marquette can win a title. I I don't know when and how, uh, but I do think that. Chalk Smart wants to win one. Uh, if you looked at his quotes uh, for the postseason banquet, he made it seem like that was on the table and possible and not something that is a pipe dream. And I think after seeing what UConn did, you can get ready and be tournament ready playing in this Big East. And as this Big East is only going to get better. And I think it could be a very exciting next five years from our cat. And I think they, the, it's really bright for, for the following year uh, Marquette did some fun trolling uh, Cam Jones and Ted Tyler Kolek Made it seem like they were leaving yesterday Which they're not uh, I don't know really how they did that they're Probably just college kids fucking around uh, Having a few beers and they're like Hey, should we just troll the fan base? Uh, but yeah, I, I think the future is Really, really bright For Marquette I also think it's bright for UWM Like UWM, Bart Lundy stayed uh bj freeman didn't go to the transfer portal you know uwm could certainly be a tournament team next year and win the horizon there i don't know can't give you like deep dive on the horizon but i'd assume that uwm is going to be around the favorites so that is a very solid step for the, for the uwm panthers and they could be back in the tournament sooner rather than later now obviously keeping guys keeping coaches is harder at that level, but you never know, right? Maybe this is somewhere that Bart Lundy loves and Bart Lundy wants to build Panther basketball into a powerhouse. I think there's always that area of opportunity, right? Now you'd have it'd be a long way to go and the horizon might not be the league to do it, but you never know. You never know what people's dreams are. Uh, and we'll we'll just sort of have to see. So I, I think to wrap up, you know, the 414 four day conversation, the future is really bright here at, for sports. Whether it's the Bucs, whether it's the Brewers, whether it's Marquette, whether it's UWM, I think all of them have have chances for glory, have chances for awesome seasons that we are going to relish as sports fans. So that to say, for the younger crowd, as I, I had a lot of great moments you know, in my youth watching the, all these teams, I'm jealous of you. I think you guys are going to have a, a great stretch here of, of sports, and I, I hope that it results in multiple championships. If they all come from the Bucks, that's okay. But maybe a couple from the Bucks, maybe one from Marquette, maybe Mark Milwaukee, and we talk about them. It's not just the four one four day, but it's the city of champions, and that would be that would be something. And I, I think it's crazy uh, to think about that. The future looks brighter for the city of Milwaukee's teams than in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And what the Packers are going through right now, I think Jordan loves good, uh, but I think there are a lot of questions about what the Packers' future looks like. Some people think we're entering this sort of dark era of the Packers, which it would be some shit if the Milwaukee teams are so much better than what we see in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We'll just have to wait. So enjoy your four one four day, uh, whatever, however you celebrate, and just remember, we got a good thing going with all of our sports teams. All right, let's wrap up the show with a little bit of Packer rapid fire. Uh, The Packers are getting closer to the draft. Uh, By this time in two weeks, we will know exactly who the Green Bay Packers selected uh, in the first round of the NFL draft. Maybe they make two selections. We'll have to see. Maybe they have an extra pick from the New York Jets. The big headline this week in terms of the Rodgers stuff was that Woody Johnson has apparently got cold feet. Uh, we talked a little bit about it with Mitch, but just to you know, kind of amplify it a little bit more, it, it seems like the the Packers are, and Jets are at a standstill, and they're just let need Woody Johnson to pull the trigger. And if Woody Johnson pulls the trigger, the deal could be done. We're getting closer to the draft. I know that that Rogers has told the Jets, you can wait till May if you want. We don't need to do this right away. We can continue this sort of cold war. But I do wonder, as we get closer to the draft, will other teams sneak in? Will the Packers entertain deals from a team like San Francisco? Or a team like the Baltimore Ravens? Now, I, I, think, Odell, I think Odell Beckham means Lamar's coming back. But who knows, right? Would they entertain other deals that could potentially send Rodgers elsewhere? I'm unsure about that. But it it, it doesn't... It doesn't mean that every oh the New England Patriots were the other team that I was thinking about. I was like, why did I say Ravens? But the Patriots for sure. I, I just I, it's it's just very, very interesting how this is all sort of developing and how this is all playing out. Because it doesn't exactly seem like there is a end game here. Like the end game is give the Packers what they want and you get Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets are like, you're you know putting us over the barrel. But I think part of the problem for New York is that they overplayed their hand. And you could say, oh, the you know Jets have leverage, Rogers has leverage. It's like, no, he went on McAfee, which kind of screwed the Jets because that scared Woody Johnson. But how did, it, how did that not come up in conversation? The rumor was that it scared Woody Johnson that because Rogers said he was 90% retired. So Woody Johnson thought, all right, it means we're only gonna have Rogers for a year. It's gonna be just like far. but how, Ask me, reel me this: the Jets met with Woody Johnson, or I'm sorry, Rogers met with Woody Johnson less than five days before having that conversation with Pat McAfee. Rogers didn't say that to them. That's that to me is the smoking gun. That's the thing that we need to know. McAfee, as I've told you, is state media for Rogers, so Rogers, he won't have Rogers on today. You know they he wouldn't he wouldn't dare bother Aaron Rodgers who's probably doing yoga, um, and sunning his asshole out in California, but it would be great to hear from Rodgers. Did you tell Woody Johnson that? Because that to me is the whole like, the it. Because if he said that to Woody Johnson, then as I said yesterday, Woody Johnson's being a fucking pussy. And he is not just saying, all right, we are going to be a Super Bowl team. Give an unprotected first to the Green Bay Packers for next year because we are going to be a Super Bowl team. If you are as confident in your squad, you'll give that. He's like, oh, I don't want to end up like the Denver Broncos. No one wants to end up like the Denver Broncos. But I think Nathaniel Hackett was a bad, bad coach. And Russell Wilson was a guy who wasn't as good as they thought they were. And if you think Aaron Rodgers isn't as good as you as you believed previously, then go with Zach Wilson. Sell that to your fan base. the The amount of money lost by not bringing in Aaron Rodgers is astronomical for the New York Jets. It, it I, I don't know the value, but it is unbelievably high, and I don't know if the Jets can afford that. Even though they do have one of the richest owners in all of sports, honestly, with Woody Johnson. Still, that is a colossal amount of money lost without having Aaron Rodgers. So at some point, the Jets have to give in. Do they give in after not getting a 2023 pick? Maybe. But you have to figure something out here. And we're getting down to deadlines. And yes, deadlines, spur actions, we know the quote. And we'll see it a lot. So will it actually happen? Will the deal get done in the next whatever? I think it's now we're less than 14 days. So we're 13 days away from the draft. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see, folks. We'll, we'll have to have to see how it all, all shakes out. As for uh, the draft part of it, uh, where Packers might be leaning, I do want to do a larger thing on the visits and kind of rank like you know, what, I, I don't know how we could do, we, there's a good visit tracker that Zach Krause puts together. I think that we can make a segment out of that, so probably will. But I want to point out that Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington all visited the Packers. Uh, I think the Packers are very much thinking about drafting a tight end in the first round. I understand the concerns. I saw Andy Herman's thing about, you know, tight ends, first rounds, that usually ends up pretty great. Here, here's Here's my thing on that. Number one, this is a all-time tight ends draft. That has been said, scream to the mountaintops. This is as good of a tight ends draft as you're going to get in in the sport of football. That it's it's kind of an all-timer. Why not draft some of the best out of it? Right? Why not, you know, make sure that you have, you know, one of those tight ends, if not two. Like, are we going to really be disappointed in the Green Bay Packers if they draft a tight end in the first round and they draft another one in the fifth? No, I don't think so. And what if the fifth is better than the first? So be it, right? But then you at least have that kind of fallback option. They need to improve that room, just like they need to improve the wide receiver room. So I think getting a tight end is not the worst thing in the world. And just because history says, all right, these first rounders are going to be bust, how the fuck do you know that these guys are, are just like the history? Just the, because the history books say something doesn't mean that it's going to repeat itself every time out. I think that's a bad way to look at drafting, in my opinion. I, I know Andy does a lot of good work. I respect that. You know, he he gets at it almost every day. But I, I do think that's a bad way to look at it. It's to me, it's a square peg for a round hole. It's like it's like okay, all tight ends first round suck. It's like no, let's not live in absolutes here. And I think. If I had to rank the three, I'd go Kincaid, Mayor, Washington. I think for Washington, personally, I'd trade down. Like, I I don't think Washington's a guy you should draft at 15. I I know the size. I know he's a freak. But I just, I didn't see enough to make me think, oh, yeah, Darnell Washington is a a first-round guy for sure. I personally felt like Darnell Washington is a late first-rounder, early second. And so maybe they met with Washington because... They know there's an opportunity. They they might trade down. It's been mentioned before, but Will Levis seems to be falling a little bit. And it seems like Will Levis, you know, where the Packers are drafting could be where someone moves up to get Will Levis. And if the Packers can acquire more picks and you know get that, make that happen, I think they will. Brian Gunekus has not been shy about moving down in the past. Um, so who knows, right? And I think that's certainly on the table Maybe Hendon Hooker as well uh, Which to me is wild That Hendon Hooker is going to get a first round pick Like he's fucking 25 He's off an ACL tear Like I don't know I, I don't get it Like I know he's a smart savvy guy I just the, the parts about him that are there Like if he didn't have the ACL tear I, I could understand it Because he'd be like alright one, one year as a backup And then you're good like, I guess for Vikings, it makes a little bit of sense. But, man, the Vikings have a lot of issues defensively. I, I don't know. Um, so, we'll have to see. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. You might trade Delvin Cook. Uh, that that also is is interesting. I don't like, who wants Delvin Cook, though? I mean, Delvin Cook's good, but he gets hurt all the time. And it's like, everyone who wants to trade these running backs, it sounds good. Like, Austin Eckler wanted to trade. Like, I don't know who's trading for Austin Eckler. I'd rather have Austin Eckler than Delvin Cook, I think, though, if I had to decide. But, yeah. It's very interesting where where everything's going. We'll probably do a lot more on the draft. Maybe Murph and I next week, by the way, uh, to talk more about where 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 everything's going. Um, and he'll probably bitch about Goody, even though Goody was named a top ten top ten GM according to an NFL thing uh, on NFL.com. So uh, interesting, uh, just you know, food for thought there. All right. That does it for today. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to try to pop on tomorrow and do a preview of whoever the Bucks are playing, whether it's the Heat or the Bulls. uh, Just kind of do a nitty gritty. We did a lot of, we got a lot of good results last year uh, doing sort of the preview pods for the series themselves. Uh, So I will try, will try to do that, uh, try to break that down for for the people Uh, in one of those like we did for Marquette, where it was like 30 minutes and we're out. So and then we'll be back Monday. We'll talk about game one. We'll get ready for game two. We'll recap the Brewers and Padres and anything else that comes across this weekend. All right, take care, guys. Have a great 414 day. Have a great weekend. If you're going to more concert, stay safe. All right, mixing the water here and there. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, and yeah, and and just uh, enjoy that. I'm jealous. I think it it'll be a great time. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. Great weekend. We'll see you tomorrow, or see you Monday. Actually, yeah, (laughs) might see you tomorrow. Definitely see you Monday. All right, see you, bye.